All right, let me know when you want to start recording. Three, two, one. What's up? Welcome to the Don't Put Put Me in a Box podcast. This is your main man, Naveen, speaking. I got a couple friends with me. Ah. Let's we'll ah, try again. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to leave a pause, bro. <laughs> bro, shut up, bro. I, I'm lead Mike. I told you this. Follow yeah, Mike. Kabil's the ditty of this podcast. He can't, get out. He can't, he can't, he can't step back in the saddle. Let, 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 let Mace shine, bro. Let me uh, fine, fine, fine. You, 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 you take over. Sorry, man. No, no. Count, count me down. Count me down. Okay, okay. Count the right. dance all up in the videos and shit. Okay, okay. Go, go. Three, two... One zero. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Don't Put Me in the Box podcast. The podcast about nothing or the podcast about everything. I got my main man, Kabil, with me. How you doing in yeah, this quarantine, yeah. Kabil? I'm doing okay. You know, I'm surviving. I'm no, a cockroach, that's... bro. I'll always survive. <laughs> what a description. Then we got another, another. Uh, brother here, like our Muslim brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> this guy has the best beard in the game. He's yeah, Arabs, yeah. man. They can grow their beard and however they want. What's up, Ahmed? What do you say? What's going on, man? Thanks for painting me in a box. Yeah, <laughs> I know. What's your deal, bro? What's your deal? Sorry, I thought we were against that. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not a Muslim brother. But anyways, guys, <laughs> how's it been? How's uh, how's week twelve of the quarantine treat, treating you? It's all good, man. You know, um, today I trimmed my chest, if that means anything. Yo, I was hairy as hell. Yo, like, I, I trimmed my chest. Do you do that often? Or? I... Do you no, do that no, no, no. Like, um, I would say more for, like, weather. Like, summer's coming around. So, like, I was just leaving it there because, you know, I haven't been dating in a while just because of all this, like, quarantine and stuff. But I'm feeling the shift, you know? Summer is coming out. And then, you know, time for a summer bay, bro. That's the, that's the whole plan here. Kabili, when have you ever had a summer bay? <laughs> this is the year, bro. This is the year, man. This is the year it all changes. The year of the wars and the pandemic. Kabil decides to go out and find a summer bay. Yeah, that's what it is. What about overcome adversity, bro? I'm gonna overcome <laughs> adversity this year, man. It's a lot of. What about adversity. you? What about you, Abed? How's your week been? It's been alright, man. I uh, gave myself a quarantine cut on Sunday. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. I gotta. Uh, I gotta freshen up. I think I, I think I might become a barber after all this is done. Oh, nice. Finally, fulfill you your... your chest yet too? <laughs> not not my chest. I wasn't that brave. Uh, Finally, fulfill sometime. fulfill his destiny as a barber in Scarborough. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Uh, no, enough joking around. Let's let's talk about something serious. Uh, like <laughs> well, over the over the past week, you guys have heard of the George Floyd. Uh, Killing, I guess, yep. is how you would put it. And prior to that, in February, uh, uh, there was the Ahmad Arbery killing. So let's let's just take a deep dive into these both these uh, tragic situations. For the Ahmad Ar- Arbery, he was killed on February 23rd. Uh, a man said he saw Ahmad Arbery poking around a construction sh- y- site, and then started fo- two individuals started following him after he ran out of the site uh, because he saw a person calling 911. Uh, the, the two uh, suspects were George Gregory Mike McMichael, a 64-year-old retired cop, and his son, Travis McMichael, 34-year-old, cut him off in their pickup truck and 
uh, an altercation ensued and uh, Ahmad Arbery was shot three times in the chest and died within seconds. The George Floyd killing, uh, four police officers were fired over the death of a black man who was pinned down by a white officer. Uh, the footage that went viral of that uh, was the man was pinned down under a white officer's knee while he was screaming out, please, I can't breathe. Officers had been responding to a call from a grocery store that claimed Floyd had used a forged check. Uh, the Minneapolis Police Department came out and said that Floyd died a short time after a medical incident and that F Floyd uh, physically resisted officers. But then later on, footage came out that showed the officers uh, that Floyd wasn't resisting the officers and it completely refuted what the police were saying. So this is like becoming... I mean, not becoming, it's already a regular occurrence in the U.S. Different people, different situations, but like same results. An African-American being shot by the cops or by someone who's taken up the mantle to enforce the law. So what were your initial reactions uh, watching this video, Abid? I wasn't surprised at all, man. I feel like uh, this is just something that we see almost every month um, coming from the States where... Uh, where a black person or a person of color in general is, is targeted uh, purely based on their race. And then um, after the fact, have to prove their innocence uh, when they were essentially the victim. So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised by anything that happened or the reactions after the fact. Yeah. It's just that, crazy just how that. everyone's become uh, desensitized to it. Yeah. Kabil. I was about to say, um, isn't that kind of sad to think that it didn't surprise you? Cause yeah, I had the same, exactly. I had the same kind of notion. Like it didn't surprise me. And I actually had to reflect on that. Why is that not surprising? So Ahmed, what do you think about that? Like, did you, or even Naveen, did you think about that? Like, like, were you surprised? And did you think about like, like what, how society should be about that? No. Do you remember when we were younger and we'd come home and watch those world star hip hop fight videos? I feel yeah. like I watch these videos like that now, like every week, or every every month, there's always a case like this that becomes that the national news picks up and sensationalizes, right? And then there's always a video. There's always a video. There's always a video showing someone being tragically killed. Like it's never a case of, oh, there's a there was a mis like it was a case of mistaken identity or something. Or like it never looks like the cop was in the right. It always looks like either the cop was in the wrong, or the person who's trying to sit, make a citizen's arrest is clearly in the wrong. Uh, well, just to say, <laughs> like, let me, let, me, let me add to that, Naveen. Um, like we said, this seems like a regular occurrence. So what if there are so many events like this happening that the ones we get to see are just the ones that plainly look like the cop is wrong? Yeah. Think about it like that. No, I've, I've thought about it like that too. It's uh, the videos... Uh, like yeah, the the news that's uh i guess uh that will become popular and get clicks is when the cop is in the wrong i don't think it'll ever get clicks if they're like oh the cop was making a good judgment of choice or something like that Amit? i i, I uh, honestly though uh, yeah i think it's the opposite man i think i think um the ones that are highlighted are in the minority i think there's way more cases like this where uh where people are wrongfully convicted or arrested or killed 
and it just completely gets swept under the rug, right? I think we, we were lucky that there was some video of both of these events, right? A perfect sure. example, one story you didn't mention, uh, Naveen, this week was the lady in Central Park yep. who uh, who had her dog off-leash in an off-leash, uh, sorry, yes. in, a, on a, in a bird-watching zone of Central Park. And a black man told her to put her dog on a leash. And her retort was, I'm calling the cops and telling them that a black man is attacking me. Like, like she weaponized the fact that he was black and the understanding of the reaction of authority to a black man. Um, she completely weaponized that. And that's, I think that's uh, the common thought in, uh, in the U.S. and in general, right? It's just that, you know, if you're, if you're a person of color, like, you're not going to have good interactions with people of authority. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's get a bit more into the Ahmad Arbery case. Uh, from the defendant's point of view, that's uh, Gregory McMichael and his uh, son. They see themselves as people who are alerted by uh, Arbery entering a house that was under construction, tra- basically t- trespassing. They took it upon themselves to protect their neighborhood from someone who they viewed as a threat. Um in addition, uh, the, this incident took place in Georgia where the stand your ground law uh, is enacted or is, uh, how do you say this? I mean, the stand your ground law is a thing. Yeah. And it's also legal for a person to carry a gun and it's legal for a person to place someone under a citizen's arrest if, they've, if you've seen them commit a crime. But in this situation, they haven't seen them commit a crime it's all primarily based on hearsay around the neighborhood. Uh, so what do you guys think? Is it a civil liberty to be able to stop someone by any means necessary if you think they've committed a crime? Not at all. We see in this situation here that these two gentlemen, three gentlemen actually, took it upon themselves to put justice in their hands. Again, I don't know their intentions exactly because they might have been thinking in their heads they're doing the right thing, protecting the neighborhood. But we all know the aftermath of this. Protecting the neighborhood resulted in one death. And we know that this result is not justified. Even if he was stealing something, we already know the punishments for stealing, robbery, and none of them will result in death. But they, it, they led to this resulting in death. Again, there's no, way around that, that, there's no way around that result here. We can always talk about, yo, they were trying to protect the neighborhood. Oh, they were trying to stop this man. Oh, he was resisting. We can always say those things. But at the end of the day, the result is there was one black man who was killed for something that was just not equal to that. You know, whatever he did, which was maybe trespass. That's the only thing that might be able to be proven in court. He was trespassing. And he got killed for it. And to me, that shows the the scariness of that. I was reading online that even the trespassing law in Georgia states that it's only trespassing if the owner catches you and tells you, hey, never come on my property again. If no one ever uh, makes that, I guess, verbal uh, order or instruction, like the owner of a property, then it's not considered trespassing. You're just wandering around, you know? Uh, What about you, Abed? Like, do you think it's like your duty or to intervene if you see a crime happening? Let's Let's say you see a girl getting chased by some random dude. Is it up to you to just stand in like and try to defend her by any means, or is your only duty to just call the cops? I think my duty is commensurate to like the situation, right? Like in that 
that situation, the one you described of a girl being chased by a guy would, uh, even in that scenario, I don't think it would be right for me to kill that guy. Right. So uh, going back to the Ahmad Arbery case, he was accused of theft, rightfully or wrongfully. That's like irrespective. It doesn't matter. He didn't, there was no reason for the reaction on the part of, uh, of the two people who ended up killing him. Like that was unjustified. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think you have a civil duty or, or you, you, or you may feel you have a civil duty to protect your neighborhood or protect, uh, like your fellow citizens or whatnot, but it has to be a measured response, right? It can't just be an all out, like, uh, like a nuclear, a nuclear option every time. Like, you know, you don't, I, I, I still, I, I just can't figure how do you chase someone um, in your pickup truck with uh, with guns out for stealing, if that's the case, if he did steal. And then uh, even going further, how do you block off the road when the guy's clearly trying to run away yeah, and then come out with a shotgun and start threatening? Like, I don't know. It's, it just, it's just crazy, like, to me. Yeah, this case is kind of weird because of that. Like, they they actually chased him down it's not like he was attacking one of them or he stole something uh, from their house and they caught him it's they physically chased him down and then and then shot him like that's that's completely different from hey you saw someone robbing a store and you're like you pushed him down to the ground just to like slow him down for the cops or something like that right yep. uh so building off ahmed's uh last point that was a good point Ahmed. uh uh, this quote from an article really caught my eye. They say, stand your ground laws change the, this traditional last resort of potential lead, to potentially lethal violence into a permissible first resort. So in most situations, uh, violence is like your last resort, right? Like you first, you tell them to stop, like whatever criminal act they're committing. Then maybe you t- warn them that you're going to call the authorities and then far down the list is hey i'm gonna kill this guy but the stand your ground law basically allows uh a defendant a person who's defending themselves or who thinks someone is committing a crime to use force to stop them from committing crime so kabil do you think like this law is ethical well what what do you think what do you think about that see for me this law is a bit confusing all right Yes, if you're in that situation and stand your ground, that law allows you to use lethal force. Now, the problem is, in the courts, you can always argue and say, oh, I was justified to use lethal force. And that's where it's where it gets scary. That's where justice, is, I feel, is not going to be met. Because I feel these three gentlemen who committed this murder, and I call it murder because I do think it's murder, I believe they're going to get a slap on the wrist. Now, I was talking to you about this, uh, Naveen. Uh, personally speaking, like I said, I, I feel kind of bad for these three gentlemen. I still think they should deserve a lot, a, hard, um, a huge punishment. But again, for a, a separate date, I think it was actually the gun's fault. And it sounds stupid to say it like that. But again, they might have, one of them was an ex-police officer. I guess maybe his intuition was, oh, I'm going to stop someone from committing a crime or, from who, or I'm going to capture someone who's committed a crime. Again, he was not on duty, so he took it upon himself. And again, there must have been some sort of racist, maybe, type of framework in his head to say, oh, there is this black man running away. It's my job to chase after them. Now, exactly. having this tool as a gun, and they're chasing, a, uh, let's just say, some sort of robber, 
but who has no weapons whatsoever. In many ways, they escalated the situation to the highest level just because they had the tool of the gun. If they chase this man down, if they block him off, even if a tussle ensued and no one died, this whole story would be so much different. But the guns, specifically this story, and I'm not talking about um, the other story. I'm not talking about Amy Cooper that um, Ahmed mentioned. And I'm not talking about the other story with, um, what is it, George Floyd. Because those mm-hmm. are separate scenarios, I would say. But yeah, again, but all showing racism. All showing like racism. Another example yeah. of this. Before, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, before you go, I was going to say that in this situation, this was civilians with guns. Again, those civilians could be seen as racist, but I find the biggest issue was them having guns. And that's the way I want to make a difference between that story and George Floyd and Amy Cooper. They're all racism, but in many cases or in many factors, they're different. And I think guns was the big issue there. But I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, definitely. Like the guns obviously is a huge issue, but this stand your ground law, like another example was that Trayvon Martin case with uh, George Zimmerman. Uh, I believe the law was applied in the same way there where uh, George Zimmerman claimed like Trayvon Martin was threatening his uh, safety and therefore he used the gun. Uh, Ahmed, what's your opinion on this law? Like, how do you think they should change it or should it even be in, in like the constitution of a state at all? I don't know, man. It's hard to say because it's uh, uh, it's America, right? And it's a different country. They have their own traditions and their own constitution and, and their own reasons for their their laws, right? So we judge it from the context of Canadians. It sounds crazy, right, to have these these laws and to have this access to guns and whatnot, right? Yep. No, it makes me wonder if there is a law like this in uh, Canada. Yeah, right? But I think um, I disagree with. I disagree with with uh, with with Kabil because yeah, guns, access to guns is an issue, right? But I think it's um it's the have to use those guns against other groups that uh and 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 not and understand that they won't face repercussions is uh is another issue altogether, right? No, for sure. Uh, before you speak, this Nadine, exact gonna... same scenario happened, yep. but. Let's say uh, it was a white it was a white jogger in a yeah let's say it was a white jogger in like a in a black neighborhood who uh, who was then chased down by two black guys in a pickup truck uh, and shot and they the exact same scenario except whites and blacks right and and uh, and they said oh he was stealing something I really doubt the the repercussions would have been the same I doubt those two black guys would have been um, free on free on bail with no charge or not even on bail just free with no charges. For so many months and it would have required uh so much protesting and a video before they got arrested i think it would be a foregone conclusion that they would have been arrested because the uh there's just no expectation of of, uh, of that interaction ever happening right yeah, if you're black you're guilty before you're proven innocent <laughs> well, going from people who took authority uh, to enforce the law into their own hands to people who are actually legally allowed to do that. Uh, The George Floyd case was another example of black people being, there's a black people being persecuted by the police. There's a huge bias towards uh, the amount of black people being killed by law enforcement. Uh, Some stats that I found online, which boggled my mind where 
Uh, 26% of U.S. police killings between 2013 and 2019 were committed by police departments of the 100 largest U.S. cities. Black people were 38% of people killed by these 100 police departments, despite only being 21% of the population, which is insane. That's 40, yep. 38% Almost of twice as much. Yeah. Almost twice as much as representation, yeah. Only one of the 100 largest city police departments did not kill anyone from January 2013 to December 2019. Uh, They should get some medals, eh? They should get some awards. (laughs) 47% of unarmed people killed by the 100 largest city police departments were black. So that's half. Half of the unarmed people. Uh, police departments killed unarmed black people at a rate four times higher than unarmed white people. And they, the r- normal refute to this point is that uh, vi- like uh, violent crime in these uh, is higher in these cities. Therefore, there's more of a necessity for violent killings by police. But rates of violent crime in cities did not make it any more or less likely for police departments to kill people. So these numbers are like undeniable. They're just available to the public. You know, this was on a website where a guy just accumulated this data and just like visualized it for everyone to see, right? So why are these, why does this bias continue to exist? This is not like a problem we just have in 2020, you know? This has been a problem since 60s, like even beyond that, like pre, uh, pre uh, civil rights movement, right? So. Why do you guys think this bias continues to exist? Like, why are black people disproportionately being killed by the police officers? And yeah. So there's a lot of factors to it. Again, some of it comes from colonization. Some of it comes from slavery. And again, some of it comes from culture. Again, even though, let's just say that uh, there is, let's just say um, slavery is gone. There is no, uh, what do you call it? Like apartheid. There's no separation. There is, there's diversity in these big major cities. But at the same time, there is still like a, like a lingering type of like racism that's lasted for many, many decades. And that's still affecting the relations between, I guess, people of color and white people. Again, there's a lot of, th- there's a lot of like, let's just say educational materials talking about <clears throat> the type of privilege white people have. And again, they might be using that privilege and basically targeting, I guess, people of color, black people specifically, and using them as a scapegoat for many things. I find that that might be the reason for a lot of what we're seeing right now. It's just being shown through many factors, either through like crime, where they're being overrepresented in jail and other charges and other types of courts. Uh, it might be, again, being overrepresented in poverty. Again, not being able to, <clears throat> they don't have generational wealth the same way white people do in America. So again, they are overrepresented in poverty and other factors. And then that is building a culture of hate for white people against people of color. And that's how I think why it's persisting today. Because it's like creating the conditions for all the things white people want to want to blame people of color for specifically black people but they created the conditions so to me it's kind of it's it's like almost ironic to me that it's like oh you, you i'm gonna label you guys as bad and then i'm gonna complain that you guys are bad people that's how that's how i'm viewing the situation right now but again uh like you said ahmed i'm not american 
I, I'm not even black myself. I might be a person of color. So again, I might understand certain situations of how it applies to me, but I will never understand it truly of how it feels to be black in America. So that's just my point from just reading material. But I'm yeah, still even distant the, from what actually happens there. On the point of race, like it's 50% of the people being killed are black. <laughs> so there's more, America's a, a melting pot of different cultures, right? There's, there's no way the number should be that high. It's, it's, it's sad because like, if you think about it, the Hispanic population is almost as big or it might be even bigger than the black population at the time uh, right now. And uh, they're not even remotely close to the numbers that you see for black people. So Abed, what what's your take on it? Yeah, it's uh it's a societal thing, right? Like Kabil said, there's uh there's a bunch of things that are historical. And then there's a lot of things that are current right now too, right? I think uh minorities are underrepresented rep- represented in government, in in um in positions of power, in uh, in law enforcement, in in the media. So pretty much the the narratives and the portrayals of uh of uh, minorities um, like who are criminals or otherwise are dictated by people who are not those minorities, right? Perfect case in point um, in America, if, uh, or not even America, let's just say worldwide, if, um, if a domestic white man goes on a mass shooting uh, spree, he's considered uh, usually someone who is mentally deranged or a lone wolf or something of that nature. If the same crime is committed by a Muslim uh, person who has no known affiliations with any sort of terrorist organization or even is religious or whatnot, uh, that person is a terrorist, right? So why is it so easy to call one person a terrorist and another? They're both bad people who did bad things, right? But the connotation in this uh, manner makes a huge difference, right? Because you're not viewing them as equals, which they're both trash but you're not viewing them as equals you're viewing one as the other and the other as mentally deranged right Uh, and there's cases of this all around right like this is not only about criminals i mean even in society in general right like there's uh if if the if the if people are defined who you are and and who your people are who are not part of that group and labeling you then it's uh there's always going to be this issue right yeah Definitely. I, and even for African-Americans, I feel like it's uh, a self-fulfilling fro- prophecy in any ways. Like if a cop stops you, you are automatically expecting the situation to end negatively. So your guard is up. You're more, you're more resistive to like any sort of uh, police interaction. And then uh, sometimes situations go awry, like uh, the George, uh, Sorry, I forgot his last name. The George Floyd case. Uh, another th- topic I wanted to touch on was uh, who we hire to be our police officers. In the George Floyd case, two of the officers had prior uh, incidents of uh, police brutality. The, the guy, the white cop who had his knee on George Floyd's uh, neck for several minutes, even after he died, he still had his knee on his neck. Uh, preventing him from uh, like obviously George Floyd died of us uh, like of asphyxiation or whatever Um, his name was Derek Chauvin and uh, he had previously been uh, reprimanded by the Minnesota Police Department for for shooting uh, an aboriginal man uh, during a a visit for 
uh, domestic abuse in- incident. And then there was another officer. Her, his name was, uh, I might be mispronouncing this, To Tao. He's a 10-year police veteran. And he kicked and beat a man who was just walking down the street with his pregnant girlfriend. So why are people like this even in the police force? Like, what are the standards that were, uh, I guess American police departments are using to like hire these people? You would think the police would be the best of the best, but unfortunately they're, they're not. Well, uh, let me speak on this part. Um, I think sometimes it's about funding and training, but there's a lot of other reasons too. I think in general, the structure of a police force is also to blame. First thing for a lot of American police forces, they're not paid as much as we might think, okay, relatively speaking. Generally for that kind of job, and this is where we should actually respect police officers. Again, they get a lot of flack, but this is a type of job where they have to make ethical decisions on a daily basis. It's very hard to have a job like that that puts your ego into question. Think about a job that where your own personality might get you fired or might kill someone. It's a, it's a very risky job in that case. And I'm not even saying that police officers are in an unsafe job because in many ways, I actually find that people who deal with police officers are more unsafe than the police officers themselves. So I'm not going to say that they face a very dangerous job. It could be dangerous. It really could be. But to be honest, I don't see it as that's the biggest issue with being a police officer. I think it's making ethical decisions on a daily basis. And it's very hard to make those ethical decisions. It is very hard. And I, I can see that. Yeah. And so I find that some of the times where we see a lot of pre- police brutality, we see a lot of mistakes by police. Again, I would say it's training and education. But at the same time, I think fundamentally to put a human in charge of a, an authority position, authoritative position involving the power to choose life and death is a very, very hard position for anyone. And I think in general, that always leads to situations where whether the human makes a correct decision or the human makes an incorrect decision. And to yeah. me, that's why I find very, very concerning about all police forces in general. No, yeah. And to build off that, like, if you as a police officer say you're, no, before you become a police officer, the people who apply to become police officers, uh, if they already know that uh, these decisions that they have to make in minutes, right? Like just basic uh, judgments that they have to make uh, in situations where it could be life or death, that uh, they would be penalized severely for it. Uh, that probably affects the amount of people that are willing to do this job. So that even further dilutes the people you can choose from, right? Like already people who are who you consider more logical thinking and smart, they would not choose to become cops. So you eliminate a good percentage of the capable people who could do the job and then on top of that you add like the income is not that high so you eliminate another decent portion of the people who are who'd be willing to do the job so you're left picking from a very limited pool of people who might have mental disorders people who are more prone to violence and then if you it's hard to for the police force to i guess police themselves as strict as they do the public because I don't think people would be willing to do the job if that, that were the case. What about you, Ahmed? What do you think? And I think you guys summarize it uh, perfectly. 
I think there's there's also the whole uh, aspect of just being human, right? It's a, like Kabil touched on it. Just uh, once you're put in like a position of authority, and there's like that um, there's like that code and, and ethics uh, amongst like your peers or whatnot of to behave a certain way, and you, you come up in that system. I'm I'm sure even if you go in uh, with the best intentions, uh, sometimes you're put in compromising uh positions that may result in like outcomes that don't even reflect you as a person right it's just who you've uh like who you're associated with right so yeah so it's definitely not a it's definitely not an easy job yeah in this case what really bothered me was uh this guy had his knee on the on the on george floyd for several minutes like i don't understand what was the point of that like at that point he was fairly immobilized like just put him in the car put him in the cop car what was the issue so this one was a little bit more tra i mean they were both tragic situations but i found this one was even a bit more avoidable <laughs> like the cop didn't have to use that much force like he was pretty much uh the uh, george floyd was pretty much has given given up at that point like you could just throw him in a cop car and then go about your the rest of the arrest arresting process like i did not understand that at all exactly to me um it's just sad to see that you know that could have been done so so smoothly you know like they just could have put him in the car bring him to jail done you know like they, they can deal with the court system later you know but now you see people burning shit in minnesota you see target getting looted you know, like, it's like, oh, there's, there's this huge aftermath just because of, like, that police officer or that team, that those two police officers, just not, like, I guess, following the, the guidebook or just not following specific protocol. And yeah. even then, uh, just like Ahmed stated and like what we were saying before, uh, sometimes these police officers might be making compromising decisions for the police force. For example, those cops are not going to testify on each other. Again, the district attorney, whoever is in charge, not, he's going to try to protect those cops too because that's just part of the field. And that's why, to me, it's like a broken system because like, if you have cops that are putting people in jail that can get charges and get the full extent of the law, police officers should get also the full extent of the law if they do wrong. But to me, I don't see it. I find too many loopholes for any police officer any officer of the court, anyone serving that side of things, I just don't see them ever getting justice if they do yeah. wrong. Well, you would so, think, right? Like uh, police officers, uh, like fellow police officers, they would, they would look at a guy like this where he's clearly in the wrong, right? Using like excessive force and there's no reason to sit on a guy's neck for nine minutes. And it, there's like no excuse for what happened. <laughs> in that. It's, like, it's like, there's literally no excuse. Like if this guy doesn't go to jail, like that's crazy, right? But anyway... You would look at that, and you would you would you would assume that in cases like this, where it's so cut and dry, it would be in the benefit of the police force to just turn on this guy, right, and and not associate with him at all, because it it it, it taints like the whole police force, right, and police forces like across America. But that's not the case. Yeah, no, <laughs> like they say the, the crazy. They say the police is like another gang, dude. It's the brotherhood. You don't snitch, right? Like stop snitching. That's the that's a code that the cops use too. Like you don't you'll as Kabil said, yeah. you'll never have a cop testify on another cop. That's so we not, need more Takashi is in the uh, in the police force. Yeah, Takashi would For definitely sure. snitch. But uh, like, 
do you guys ever see a risk in the resolution to this is it is it just about fixing gun laws or is it more layered than that so let me speak on this one here um it is going to be more layered than that i think um gun laws is one thing why i'm going to say gun laws and why again we should talk about this in another podcast i think gun laws is one of the um, it's like one of the laws in their whole system, the American system that creates this unbalance of power between whites and people of color. Like you even said, Ahmed, if you saw the same scenario, but twisted where it was one white person that was uh, trespassing on one house and we see two black people chasing the nun or three black people, whatever it is, chasing this person down and it resulted in the white person dying. Again, we probably would see that those three black men would get the harshest penalties. Now, Again, I'm saying guns are a big tool because it seems that guns in the possession of white people, it seems it's allowed, it's regulated, it's just part of life. Guns in the hands of black people, it's seen as some sort of issue, gang-related, gang maybe even terrorism. To me, I think first, that one issue, taking away civilian property of guns, I think that will settle that first issue of with um, Amato Berry, where civilians killed them through brutality. That would be, for me, the first factor. The second factor, I would say the whole system, the whole uh, defense or what do you call it, criminal system has to be revamped or redone. Like you said, some people who are defending certain people, they don't have the exact interests of their defendants. Sometimes they have other ulterior motives. There might be, have to be a switch between how the whole system is set up. Maybe the way I was looking at it, and this is what I brought up before, and Ahmed, you said there's not, um, you said that they're actually doing the opposite of this. Um, you know how we, we're only seeing certain videos right now, the ones that become most viral. And again, there might be so many incidents happening of where uh, police brutality, whatever it is. They one pick and thing, choose. Exactly. One thing I feel, and this is the problem with the media too, because the media has a big part of this too. I think there has to be more exemplary cases that are being shown, more positive messages when the police do a good job with race relations. Forget right? it, man. So, it doesn't get clicks. Yeah, it doesn't matter about clicks, that. man. They're never it doesn't matter do about that. clicks, bro. It doesn't matter about clicks, right? They need to do more, more, because there are stories like that. There has to be, man. There really has to be. It's just that it's just like weird to have a video showing someone do their job right. It's weird exactly. to have a video. It is, it's weird. I even agree. Like, it shouldn't be something on stage. It shouldn't be on something on a, ped a pedestal saying, oh, you did your job right. That's good. But in many ways, sometimes there might need to be a standard. What if all these police forces around the United States of America don't exactly know what a good job looks like? They might assume what a good job looks like, but they don't know what's the standard of how to... to, to what kind of protocol to deal with peoples of people of color and the ambiguous situation of peoples of, of people of color the ambiguity yeah. is what has been used to basically as a scapegoat for whatever consequence happened to these people of color and to me there's a lot of things that need to be changed for that not to happen again yeah um like we have other countries which are multicultural uh it's they're predominantly uh, like the majority of the people are Caucasian or white, but then you have a mix of other cultures. I mean, what do you think you don't really see this issue in like Canada or England or Australia? Like it's not as 
uh, prevalent as it is in the U.S.? Is it just a sim simple matter of the gun laws are in the U.S. are crazy? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if that's true though. Like the yeah. thing, like we we don't hear about it, but I don't know if that's true. Like I don't know if I, I don't know if it's a true. We, we you'd have to actually talk to a minority who's been in a situation, right? Like. Yeah. We have a friend who who's uh, black who's complained multiple times about being pulled over by the police and unfairly uh, being targeted, right? So, like, maybe it's not to the extent of uh, of what's happened in the U.S., but, I mean, uh, we, like, so we can't really speak to that. We can't say it's true or not just because we don't see it, right? But just to the larger point, I think, uh, like, just if we're talking strictly the U.S., Kabil, you said... Uh, changing the gun laws right i think the gun laws will never change in the u.s as part of their culture as part of their constitution right i think the solution uh, or one of the solutions is just uh, increasing representation right of people and changing narratives of people right so particularly obviously minorities right so getting minorities involved with police force getting them in the media getting them in positions of power right um where there's a different representation of them than what's uh, currently like what 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 the current expectation is of them right yeah. and uh and that will and that, and that also like in turn if situations like this come up they have people to speak for them right so i i think we see a lot of cases right now right not or like even there's a lot of aubrey cases and whatnot to a lot of us i can speak me and the v and we're huge uh sports fans right and that's how that came into my periphery right like i saw steph curry tweet it out and or, or instagram it and talk about it right and I think, yeah, you having having minority representation beyond just athletes um, in like positions of power in the corporate world, in the political world, in law enforcement, is it would do a world of difference, right, and change everything. Uh, can I say one point here? Um, yeah. I totally agree with you. For um, more representation, I would do believe that will solve things. But like we, like you said, it is it might be multi layered, and this brings up uh, one of the jokes from uh, Dave Chappelle. Do you? I don't know if you remember. There was the, in a sense, a self-hating black man. I don't know if you, um, if you remember this, like this whole joke that he went with. Yeah, Clayton Bigsby, right? Exactly. So what yeah. if, what if, let's just say, we have more representation, but what if there becomes racism, or I don't even know if it's, we can call it racism, but what if it's still discrimination of blacks on blacks? What if because in the whole system, we add more representation, but we don't change the system? What if things don't change? What if we start seeing black officers again unfairly treating other blacks, if um, again putting them in jail with brutality, whatever it is? Representation will help. I totally agree with that. But I do think there's a fundamental issue with their constitution. That's why I even said, I know you said realistically it doesn't look like you're going to take away guns. But to be honest with me, that Travin Martin case, all right. Uh, this Ahmad Abari case and anything with stand your law, I think is dangerous. I think it's dangerous. It's a scapegoat to kill someone. And I think, one, and I think it, guns are a big issue to create this power imbalance. And it's a huge power imbalance. The way I look at it for white people over other people in America. And that's why I think like their whole constitution has to change. Cause I do agree. Representation will fix some things, but uh, let's imagine Racism is deeply rooted in our constitution. Even if you put different diversity in these positions, it's like I said about the police. They become a police officer. Still means they're not going to testify on other police officers. Right? Doesn't matter maybe what race they are. Right? If you put them in certain positions, Kamala Harris, for example, she's black. But let's imagine she's just worried about her position. 
because fundamentally the position states that. So to me, I do agree representation will fix things, but I do think on a fundamental level, racism is built in their constitution. I just don't know how to explain it. But you're such a optimist, bro. <laughs> this guy's like, oh, it's never going to solve the problem. No, but it's crazy to think that uh, teachers, police officers are notoriously underpaid in the States. Like, everyone knows this. These are two of the most important positions in society. Like I'm not ranking them as the most important, but if you were to make a list of like five positions in society that are really important, you'd probably say doctor, police, teacher, uh, they'll probably be in the top five or top 10. Uh, is, is it simply a matter of, I don't know, increasing the pay to a hundred grand starting for the, a police officer, you'll get better, more brighter people to become police officers. Will that change anything? If you increase the pay, but you don't change the culture and mm-hmm. the, the training and all those things, then it's useless, right? But if you, like I know, um, again, one of our friends became a Toronto police officer and, taught, and based on what he says and uh, the training he went through was like rigorous, right? And, uh, and he's a minority. So I, I presume his, uh, his thought process and all these things are very different than what it would be. But regardless, I think, yeah, a combination of pay and training would uh would incentivize brighter people to to join the force and and uh put a higher ceiling or i guess like a a higher floor for who can join the force and and who can't right no no definitely i I think that's definitely it as we said the problem has so many factors to it that uh it's not a simple oh fix this and then everything will be fixed it's it's a multi-layered problem as you were talking about so Oh, so to wrap this up, let's, let's hope that uh, no more killings during this corona, man. Stay in your homes, my my friends. Don't don't interact with police officers. I heard police people are beating up bikers in Scarborough, Cabela. Stay in your house, bro. <laughs> that's that's the best advice you gave this whole session. You know, stay at stay at home. You know, just just stay at home. That's it. Just you know? stay at home. You won't get killed by the cops. You won't get killed by Corona. What's not to love about your house? You know. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Naveen, I'm out. Later. Later.